I think this movie takes a lot of flack, deserved more by the sequel trilogy. It was released just a few months after The Last Jedi. After The Last Jedi, people were really starting to lose faith in the franchise, myself included, even as a forever fan of the shows. The lack of faith plus production issues and failure to actually market the film at all left us with low box office numbers because I feel like most people didn't even realize it came out. I saw Solo the week after it came out, on a weekend, in an empty theater. There were four of us in the whole theater. Then you have people taking issue with Alden Ehrenreich as Han, but I actually loved him. My biggest issue with Rogue One was its attachment to the original actors. It's okay to recast. Let someone else fill the shoes. Try something different. Bring your own take and portrayal to the characters. Anyway, I loved this movie. Okay, so you talked about recasting. You talked about recasting in Rogue One as well. Anything else you want to get off your chest about mm-hmm. recasting and the fear of recasting? I just, I, just really, <laughs> I just really think we should do more recasting. We should just be okay with the idea that, yes, so-and-so did a great job of this, but somebody else can play the role too. Even if I think Alden Ehrenreich did a great job as Han Solo, if they made another movie with a young Han Solo in it and they recast again, who cares? If the person does a great job, mm-hmm. let him give it a go. I think that's fun. Like I, I think the one I think the one exception where I would say is in the superhero movies because they in in the comics they don't just recast the character, they create a new character, right? It's always a different character. Uh so you can have like the next Iron Man be somebody else, right? Not Tony Stark, be somebody else. I think that's the one exception is when it's like the comics have a history of already making it a mantle character, right? There's tons of different characters who've played Spider-Man, you know, like there are different people who have filled these roles. And so there, I think it's a little bit different, especially in something like the MCU. I think DC goes a different way with it, which I like, but I don't know. I think it should be okay to recast, let it be its own thing. Um, and just enjoy, enjoy the performance. Like I actually, I loved Lando. Uh, I love Donald Glover as Lando. I thought that was awesome. Here's what I couldn't stand about Donald Glover being Lando. When you first overhear him talk at the Sabacc table, he's doing like a, a Billy D Williams voice impression. <laughs> yeah. And he alternates between that and his regular voice. Yeah. Throughout the movie. Yeah. Sometimes he talks like Billy D. Williams, and sometimes he talks like Donald Glover playing Lando. Yeah. And that just ground my gears so much. It's like, I can't handle this because I feel half the time I feel like I'm watching a Troy and Abed skit from Community where they're <laughs> yeah. playing Star Wars. <laughs> where and then the work. other half of the time I feel like he's acting in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can yeah, definitely see that. It's like a Troy that. and Abed showed up at a Halloween party. Right. Right. There's definitely some moments where it feels like Troy dressed up as Lando. Um, but I don't know. I I still enjoyed it overall. Like, it wasn't enough for, for it to take mm-hmm. me out of it. I think, like, another thing, like, dear, you wouldn't remember this, but when 
Will Smith was cast in the movie Ali and played Muhammad Ali. And he gained all this muscle weight and all this stuff. And he played a serious role for the first time. Like he nailed it and he nailed it so completely. And he had to, because up until then he'd only really done like men in black and fresh Prince of Bel Air. Right. So everybody just associated him as like a funny guy, sometimes an action guy, but mostly a funny guy. Yeah. And like he did big Willie style. Yeah. <laughs> like getting jiggy with it. And so he really had to nail it. And I think Donald Glover was in a similar situation where people just know him as a funny guy and oh yeah, he also is, you know, a rapper or whatever. He's gotta nail it as Lando. Yeah. To be taken seriously. Cause he's got this funny guy thing he has to overcome. And I just don't think he did it. I don't think he executed it well enough. I I I feel like he did, and I feel like Lando has a little bit of the funny guy in him, right? Like he's kind of messing sure. around. Yeah. Right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. So we might never agree on this. If you want to hear more disagreements from us, you can go listen to our new podcast. Because this is the last episode of this podcast, by the way. You can go listen to our new podcast. I promise the Clone Wars is awesome. By the time this comes out, it's not going to be as new. But we're watching through a special ordering of the Clone Wars animated series where I'm trying to convince Andrew that the Clone Wars is awesome for any age. And uh, I think we're slowly breaking him down. We're, we're getting there. So join me in my fight uh, and listen to I Promise the Clone Wars is Awesome wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Amen. Uh, next, like Alden, can you just say his last name for me? Aaron, Aaronreich? Alden Aaronreich. Aaronreich. So I buy him yeah, as th- Han Solo. I think that's how you say it. I bought him as Solo. I didn't really have any. I'm like, this is as good as you're going to get for Han Solo. This is like his. So what, like, what do you what do you think he did right as Han Solo? Um, I can't really say there was one thing he did that really nailed it. I think it's how he's always trying to talk his way out of things in this movie, which is kind of Harrison Ford esque. I think the other thing is that because he's so he was so unknown that it's like you can kind of paint your memories of Han Solo over his face because it's like who the heck is this guy? Right, right. You can just okay, yeah, he did that little half smirk. That's kind of like Han Solo. I'll, I buy it. I'll give him you know that. What I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, that's he's just, true. He's I a think... white guy with hair, right? So they can paint. <laughs> You can paint your memories of Han Solo onto him. Right, right. I I think he did a great job, too. um, Because Han Solo has kind of the, like, he's got that kind of I'm cool, like I'm talking myself out of it kind of vibe. But there's always this little bit of, you know, even when he's not confident about stuff, you can kind of tell, right? Like he has this little bit of a, Oh yeah, uh, things are great up here. How are you? Like, I feel <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. I feel like that's something Alden Ehrenreich could have delivered. Like, I think he could have mm-hmm. pulled that kind of comedy of Han Solo off because Han Solo isn't perfectly confident, right? He lacks confidence mm-hmm. in a lot of his plans and in a lot of his ideas. And yeah. and I think Alden Ehrenreich did a good job of kind of showcasing that of like oh i'm the tough guy oh but you know like i'm really uncertain of this one right like another thing is han solo 
will get himself in the situations, but he only thinks about the first step, not the next two or three steps of how something's going to go. Right, right. right. And, and those situations yeah. arise in this movie. So I don't know if it's particularly Alden's portrayal or if it's just the overall yeah. script writing where, like, when he tries to do, when he, they steal the car and he tries to flip it and then it gets stuck. Mm-hmm. And it's like yeah. classic Han Solo. Oh, yeah, I got this, guys. Don't worry. Uh, but in another way, I completely don't have this at all. Because <laughs> I didn't think about what could go wrong. I l- <laughs> one part that I like is when he he says, oh, I have an idea. And this is how it's going to go. And then it's like, oh, okay, cool, cool. Have you ever done this before? No. But I, I saw somebody do it. I learned it from my friend, like skids or something. Yeah, oh, right. Oh, he did it? Yeah, he did. R- he died. Right before he died. Yeah. Doing this. <laughs> yeah, like when like, they get... I thought the I thought the comedy was really great. Yeah, it was. It was, And it was just kind of classic Han Solo stuff. When they're trying to get out of the, the whatever, the dust cloud, whatever that thing is. And, yeah. Uh, and he's like, he slams on the light speed, but the gravity well's too strong. I was like, that's exactly yeah. out of like Empire Strikes Back or whatever, when they think they fix the engine. Yeah. And they can't get away. Use the like, same sound effect too. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. The ju 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 Right. Yeah. Totally yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, thing, that was, that was good. The thing I wasn't crazy about was the droid. L337. Because... <laughs> another droid with a plucky attitude i always mix up scenes with that droid in this movie with scenes with k2so in uh in rogue one and i'm like i'm watching right, rogue right. one and i'm like when do they go to that like mine place and save all those people oh <laughs> different british droid with a plucky that... attitude like right right they didn't do enough to distinguish right. her from the droid in the last standalone movie. So I like, I start mixing up these movies. Right. Well, you know what? I, yeah, I, I kind of get that, but they're very different characters. Andrew, you see (laughs) K2SO is a a nihilist with a couple friends, but L3 is a social justice warrior with a a hot lover. Um, (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) I actually, I actually really liked um, L L three. I don't know, I don't know if there was a better way to do them as a droid, but I thought it was hilarious uh, having a droid as a social justice warrior. Mm-hmm. The best part about the whole justice justice warrior thing is that whether you're like anti social justice warriors or you are a social justice warrior, I feel like you could appreciate what was going, going on, on because sometimes it felt like, yeah, we we need to like free the people. And then other times it felt like, yeah, this is kind of dumb, isn't it? You know, like it had both <laughs> of those ideas mm-hmm. in in the film. And so I, uh, I don't know. I thought that was executed well. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed the situational comedy mm-hmm. that came out of it. Okay, what do you think about... Because I think this is one of the biggest sins of the sequel trilogy is casting big actors. So putting Woody Har- Harrelson and Amelia Clark in this movie, 
Do you think that it overshadowed anything? I don't think so, actually. Uh, although, you know, like I do, I I feel like both really big actors, but the way like Amelia Clark, her character Kira, didn't feel anything about da- like Daenerys in Game of Thrones. Like mm-hmm. I didn't get yeah. that sense at all. She was playing a very different character. I mean, different hair colors help too, you know, like Mm -hmm. it helps distinguish, but she did feel very different um, in like the behavior and the portrayal. And I think she does a really good job at like being the character and doing a good job. And then Woody Harrelson, he, yeah, I think he did a great job as Beckett and it didn't take me out of it at all, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, what do you think? I'd be in agreement with that. And I'd say, like, I don't know if people, like, with Amelia Clark playing Daenerys and with her nude scenes, I don't know if people particularly liked Amelia Clark as an actress or just liked naked Amelia Clark on Game of Thrones. Because, uh, I, like, I just remember hearing all this buzz about Amelia Clark, but, uh, like, I'm just like, I didn't, like, what's the big deal about Amelia Clark? When you see her in, you know, when she's actually acting and not just like taking her clothes off, it's like, uh, like when she was in Terminator Genesis, it was like, uh, right. And in this movie, it's, I don't know. It's not like they put Meryl Streep in or Jennifer Lawrence. Right. Or one of these other actresses where like, if they're on set, you'd know mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I know there's a lot of hype around Amelia Clark. I just don't know if she's worth all the, the hype. And then when she comes on screen, she doesn't have an overly domineering kind of acting presence. So I think she worked okay. And then Woody Harrelson, like I just find Woody Harrelson hilarious. Oh, yeah. And I just love him. And I, you know, I didn't, I don't know when I started loving him so much, but have you seen Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri? No, but I feel like you've told me to watch it before. Okay, because he's in it and there's just, I don't know, he he's he nails that uh character and uh he nailed it in true detective um he's even like i couldn't stand hunger games but i liked him in hunger games yeah yeah he's like the only part of hunger games i could stand yeah um so i i think they did a really good job even with and i i think that goes to show that you can have big actors doing these roles and if they're doing a good job if they're getting into the character and the script is set up and the visuals are set up in a way not to emphasize like hey check it out did you notice we put tom cruise in this film wow 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 buy the tickets buy the tickets right and and when the actor isn't used as the main selling feature of the film as well i think that's a big part of it as well they weren't like hey Check out the new Amelia Clark film or check out the Woody Harrelson film. Yeah. I th- because they didn't have that, I think that helped. The thi- like Tom Cruise doesn't play characters, right? Tom Cruise plays Tom Cruise in every movie he's in. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> Tom Cruise plays another version of Tom Cruise. He runs really fast and he yells. Yeah. Like that's his whole stick. The I liked him in Edge of Tomorrow just as a divergence here yeah yeah i like that i liked him in edge of tomorrow because he plays a really weaselly kind of guy and that's the first time he hasn't played a straight out of the box hero yeah main character he plays a real weaselly schemer and then 
you know, anyway, enough about Tom Cruise. This isn't the Scientology podcast. <laughs> um, Paul Bettany is Dryden Voss. Yeah. What's your take on Dryden Voss? I thought it was good. From what I understand, it, was, like- it was originally supposed to be like a tabaxi or something, but then they, they toned it down um, or something. And it was supposed to be somebody else playing Dryden Voss. It was, yeah, it was Michael K. Williams, who's African-American. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but I'd say, like, it was like, this was my take on Dryden Voss. It's like people who've read about what other people say about crime lords is how they wrote Dryden Voss. Right. Like, everything's just like, you have to see how right, evil right. he is. You know what I mean? It's like, this is like, this is what a 15 year old understands a crime boss to be like unpredictable temper and always needs to reinforce how bad things could go for you. And just like, I don't know. It's not like a Don Corleone. It's not like a Scarface. It's just like a, I talked to some people who talked to somebody about Scarface (laughs) and this is what they said it would be like. I I watched some boss some wired videos on crime bosses um right yeah yeah no i still enjoyed it though i still thought he did a good job and still appreciated yeah, it's the like this whole like enough. i've got these red lines that my face gets these red scar tissue lines on them when i get angry right right and i might get angry and i might control you <laughs> Let's drop some hints about me turning Kira into a sex slave without saying it outright. We'll just talk about the things she's had to do to survive and you don't understand her and the things she's had to do. And and it's like, this is getting a bit nauseating guys. Like, yeah. Like it's like, I've, I, I know my mom had this one book. It was like a Christian crime novel. Yeah. And I think there was a rape or a murder. And I asked my mom, I'm like, mom how did they handle this scene and it's like well they don't really have the scene and they just keep saying talking about this thing that they had to go through because like the christian author can't bring themselves to talk about the gory details of a rape or murder and that's kind of how i felt this is it's like either go there or don't go there but don't drop these like hints at that you don't understand you don't you know you yeah. don't understand the things she's had to do. She's a survivor. It's like, okay, tell me she got raped without telling me she got raped. Like, guys, right. like, we keep circling it here. Somebody's just got, like, if we're going to go there, let's just go there already. But then right. it's like, well, how it's are we going to sell vague. merchandise if we, yeah. Right. We won't be able to sell the merch to kids. And that's so. kind of, since this is the last episode, maybe it's important we talk about, like, the franchise as a whole. I feel like that's one of the biggest issues with Star Wars is they're always they're always trying to play to every audience possible. They mm-hmm. want to get people who love action. They want to get people who love comedy. They want to get kids. They want to get their parents, right? Instead of just saying, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to tell a story in this universe with these characters. This one happens to be a very dark story. Do not mm-hmm. bring your kids to this one. Under any circumstances, like, well, this is R-rated, like, this is not for children. Yeah. Even just make it PG-13. Was this one yeah. PG-13? Um, oh, okay, I never mind. Stand corrected. But, um, like, they did that with Revenge of the Sith, and I mean, Regicide and Child Murder is in that movie. And, like, they just, they went there. 
You know what I mean? They just did it. They didn't say Anakin killed younglings. They have Anakin walk in there. Master Skywalker, what are we going to do? Draws a lightsaber, takes a deep breath. His eyes are orange. We know where this is going. Like, they just went there, right? Right, right. It's not like, oh, Anakin killed younglings. We're all sad. It's we're going to show Anakin do everything but. Like, anyway. I don't make those decisions. I know, I know. It's just, like, it's frustrating. And I think it's frustrating for the same reason, is that this franchise has had handcuffs ever since the original trilogy, and uh, because it's had to appeal to too broad and disoriented of an audience. Yep. And it's always had, it always ends up disappointing people. Yeah. I think except for kids. I think kids are the only people who are always genuinely satisfied with these movies. Yeah. Yeah. They say, oh, that was fun. That was awesome. I loved it. Yeah. 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 And and so, yeah, maybe we're getting too old. (laughs) Maybe, maybe, maybe it's just, maybe we grew up and, uh, and now they come out with Trolls World Tour and uh and we have to watch it and try and view it through an adult's lens and obsess over it because we watched the first <laughs> movie when we were kids. I wasn't a kid for either of them, but me neither. Were you? No. No, but I was just okay. <laughs> I was like what's a what's like a very oh, yeah, yeah. kids movie? Okay, Trolls. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Or like Toy Story like with Toy Story 4 for example, which like came out you know, almost 25 years after the original. Mm -hmm. It's like, I took my kids to it and it was because it was so obviously made for kids with certain things that adults might enjoy. I was like, okay, whatever. But I guess there was no like expanded universe and years of buildup for, you know, what Toy Story could be. Well, and I was just, it was always something that I could leave as a kid. Right. And I, I think Pixar Pixar doesn't market their movies as kids shows. They market it as we're telling a story, right? I think Mm -hmm. that's the difference is that Star Wars is like, oh, there's this character. People love that character. Let's build a movie around that. And don't get me wrong. I, I love solo. I, it's one of my favorite Star Wars Mm -hmm. films, but it's the reason it exists is because people said people love Han Solo let's tell uh, you know, mm-hmm. an underground story about it. It's the same reason Ahsoka is getting a TV show and Obi-Wan Kenobi is getting a TV show because they were characters mm-hmm. in somebody else's story and people said, wow, I love mm-hmm. that. And now we're going to yeah. get their story too, right? Which, okay, but it's not yeah. story first. It's, it's, oh, people like that. It's the marketing first. It's the, it's, it's the test audience first. Instead of, hey, I just have a story I want to tell that happens to happen in this universe. Here, mm-hmm. let me share that with you, right? That's why I'm excited for mm-hmm. the stuff that's kind of spun off further out, right? Like Andor, which, yes, I get is another character that's from a movie that's in a show. Like, okay, but I, I, want, I want to watch things distanced from this whole... Skywalker yeah, era. Yeah. Let's just move away from that and use the mechanics of the universe to tell other stories. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, I think like this solo movie, it was like a story I wasn't interested in knowing. Like I didn't really care about how Han Solo got to be Han Solo. The reason why is because like you can't tell that 
story without it just being exposition. Because everything you do, you're going to have to be like, okay, how do we fit this into how Han Solo got to be the Han Solo that he is now? It So you can't just tell the story. You have to have this definitive endpoint, right? Of like, right, we're going to have right. to shove in how he gets jaded. He's going to have to get betrayed by somebody. He's going to have to, you know what I mean? So that means, but you can still you can still enjoy the journey along the way, which I did a lot. I know. I'm just saying, like this movie comes with handcuffs, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. It's got certain handcuffs when you start doing prequel origin story kind of stuff. Yeah. Unless they were like, that's why they gotta move out and do something further away, do something different. Yeah. Exactly. Where it's like, okay, we know two thousand years from now we end up with you know the empire this has nothing to do with that like the consequences of this film of this production whatever it is has nothing to do with that thing 2000 years from now you know that's not important right now Mm -hmm. i want to see that yeah i did love i did love this movie i have a couple things i want to talk about yeah um with with this so um the changes in style between directors. I mean, so first it was Lord and Miller who were directing this, right? And they did the Lego movies. Um, and so it was supposed to be more comedy. Ron Howard does knows how to do comedy as well. He's a great director. Um, but there is like, there are moments where it feels, you get a little bit of a sense that it's like, oh, were these two different movies? But... It, it kind of, I don't know, There, you feel like there's like different styles going on, um, but it wasn't too bad. A couple things that I hated uh, when they're standing on the planet where they pick up the Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. and Lando and, uh, and Fist Ness says, yes, we've put the tracking device on the ship and now we're going to follow the ship and so then that way, when they get the shipment, we're going to get it for ourselves. It's like, we already know their plan. Like, we already know. You could have just had them, like, standing on the planet and be like, oh, they're still following them. Like, we already know that, right? You didn't need to you have find them find it frustrating say, when plot details are overly explained? <laughs> yes. As a matter of fact, I do. Well, if you want to hear us talk about that more, tune in to... Oh, no. Wars podcast. It's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also hate when plot details are overly explained. Glad I've got you on record saying that. So, uh where where can people to go to uh hear more about that? The uh I promise the Clone Wars is awesome. Yes. Yeah. Wherever you get your podcasts. And they can Yeah, yeah and I'll 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 put a link in yeah. the show notes. I'm so ups- I'm so upset right now. Um, but yes, I hate it when plot details are overly explained. Uh, do you have anything else you want to go over with this? The uh, I I love that we got different perspectives on the universe. Um, when Kira and Han are trying to escape and we see propaganda videos and he's signing up uh, because he, it's like the Empire isn't all just evil. It's just the you know, quote unquote country that they live right. in. Right. It's the bureaucracy and around them. Yeah. I'll sign up to be a pilot. Yeah. I'll, I'll sign up to be a pilot in the Imperial army. Cause that's how I get a pilot's license. And I want to get my own ship someday. Easiest way 
sorry, easiest way to do that is to become an Imperial pilot. So I'll just do it. It's not... And then you also see the Empire, like, separating what looks like refugee families on Corellia. You get to see... Because Corellia has always been a shipbuilding planet, so you see them building ships on Corellia, which I just, like, I loved that. I loved the uh, when Han Solo ends up in the infantry, and they're doing this, like, very uh, Soviet Union, World War II-inspired charge. Um, you know, and you get some loyalists, and you get some defectors and stuff. That whole kind of addition to the world building, different perspectives of the Empire, similar to how we saw it in Rogue One. I loved all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they they did a really good job at giving you a sense of place in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like when you went to the different planets, it wasn't like, oh, this is Tatooine slash Jakku number 393. It was like, <laughs> okay, so this is what they do here, right? You you felt mm-hmm. like you were somewhere else instead of generic desert outpost number 333 right i really appreciated that um okay so that's all that's the last that i've got on solo i mean oh other than the freaking darth maul cameo just yeah shoot my brains out (laughs) i okay i am okay given what they were planning given what they were hoping to do with having like this whole underworld kind of cohort of films not like a true trilogy but like a group of three movies given what they were planning i get why they would have that darth maul cameo because he would have played a bigger role in subsequent films but the way he's like standing there and he like grabs his lightsaber Lightsaber. and ignites it we're going to work much more closely kira it's like why what like what was what was the point? It was like if if anybody was watching that scene and wasn't already clued into the fact that this was Darth Maul, mm-hmm. they were not going to figure it out. And if they'd been watching, if they hadn't been watching the Clone Wars, they wouldn't understand his metal legs or his different hilt on his lightsaber. And it's just kind of like they, you had Dryden Voss who was like, as much as he was like kind of a caricature of a crime boss. He was still legitimately uh, kind of menacing. Mm-hmm. Whereas you throw in the Darth Maul from the cartoon with that cartoony uh, voice actor doing his cartoonishly dastardly evil uh, voice acting. Yeah. It, like Darth Maul just looks like a cartoon and he looks like a cartoon villain and he sounds like a cartoon villain. And it's like, he's the boss of this guy who just like stabbed a Senator that he didn't like. You know, like, I'm not getting the ruthlessness feel from this cartoon character who randomly showed up. Like, if he started twirling a mustache and tied up a girl to train tracks, I'd buy that. <laughs> but I'm not buying him as the, you know, the, the ultimate crime boss. So, Do you know what? I buy him as the ultimate crime boss, and that's what <laughs> matters. I enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, okay. I do. I think you the way it. that they did it was I mean, clunky, like, but I, I, I still felt okay about him being a part of it. And I will defend Sam Witwer's voice acting of Darth Maul till the day I die. So, okay, um, yeah, take that. Okay, okay, all right. Well, take uh, that noob. If you want it, yeah. If you want to hear some more of this back and forth, tune it. Tune into. I promise the Clone Wars is awesome. <laughs> Uh, but with that, I think we'll wrap up the series. 
Yeah, it's over. Do you have? Okay, fine. So any... I will. Uh, I'll lead us out. I mean, here. do you have any final thoughts on the franchise as a whole? On the franchise as a whole, I mean, a lot of wasted time for three good movies. What are your three good movies? Just the original trilogy, right? Like there, there's been a lot that has gone in to like, if you really think about it, it's like, this is so weird because there's only three movies out of 11 that people really, really, really universally like. Yeah. And it's kind of like, how did we get here? Going from the biggest thing ever to just anger and rage. I That's... I think the funniest thing about this at a high level, if you just take the Star Wars name off of it and just think about it as if it's Widget X, it's like this thing, this whole universe is kind of weird. You know what? I love Star Wars. I love the universe, but I agree with you. Most of the movies are not great. There's only, out of three trilogies, there's only one good mm-hmm. one. Like, the other trilogies are not great trilogies. I enjoy Revenge of the Sith. I enjoy parts of episodes one and two. I like the idea of The Last Jedi. Force Awakens was a, a fun ride, but I don't think I'll ever watch it again. At least not, you know, willingly or not like, oh, let's watch that. Um, I think Solo and Rogue One are great movies, actually. Um, and I think episode nine tried to fix something that was already unfixable. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's how I feel. Do you have a, do you have an order for uh, favorite to least favorite? It's kind of like, okay, episode one is, I feel like that's a thing we do, right? Yeah. I have, we haven't given a concrete ranking. I mean, I would say episode one why it was a star wars movie that was made for my demographic that was the only time the stars aligned right (laughs) yeah then the original trilogy you could just lump that in there pick any three in any order then revenge of the sith and then the rest i don't really care uh well i'd say okay rogue one solo and then the rest i don't really care right right yeah i think i would go i think i'd probably go rogue one Solo, the original trilogy, kind of all kind of mixed in this awesome thing. And then Revenge of the Sith, depending on my mood, will be mixed in there as well. Mm-hmm. And then and then the rest, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think so. This has been good. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, yeah, join us over on I Promise the Clone Wars is Awesome. This is the end of this whole podcast. So that was fun. Uh, Andrew, take us away. I remember when this movie came out. My wife was throwing a baby shower for one of her friends. My weekend got tied up in looking after our two kids. That was the only thing I did the whole weekend. As the weekend came to a close, and I hadn't really done anything interesting or fun, at 10 p.m. my wife said she was going to bed. So I decided I was just going to go to the movies solo. I don't think I would have seen this movie otherwise. I wasn't really interested. I mean, I like Donald Glover in Community, but I wasn't buying him as a young Lando Calrissian. It was an origin story that I didn't think needed to be told, and I wasn't interested in watching. But I ended up going, and it was awesome. 
Ron Howard brought some grittiness and realism to the Star Wars again. I loved getting another view of the Empire. I loved the Soviet-era-inspired attack, charging forward for the motherland. Trying to get Han Solo trying to get through the checkpoint, seeing interspersed scenes of Empire propaganda videos and stormtroopers separating families. And Han, of course, having to leave Kira behind. Woody Harrelson and his ragtag group of convicts. This was all good stuff. And otherwise, in the disappointing cameo at the end, this movie stands strong on its own.